Amen. Church service has been awesome today, guys. Yeah, you know, uh, thank you so much for everyone who's served so far today. You've all done such an incredible job from the, the song team to the welcome to the communion and the contribution. Please give yourselves a round of applause. You know, uh, I got to open it up Bubble Talk style today. Bubble Talk style. So uh, I'm going to ask you guys a question, and I'm going to need you guys to interact with me, okay, guys? Now, as you guys interact, please not use this moment to, in a sense, preach a sermon you've been working on for the past couple of months, okay? you got to keep your response very short, okay, guys? So, okay, what is it I want from you guys? Uh, simply tell me what is one thing you've failed before. Ooh. Just tell us, just, just, just one, okay, show hands. Tell us one thing that you failed. Just, just tell us what it is. Okay, Josie. Okay, an exam. Okay, okay. Anything else? Uh, let's go. Uh, Janelle. Life. <laughs> 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 yeah, she, she felt like, bro, life, bro. Uh, let's go, Latigo. Oh, man. Table turners. Okay, uh, let's go with uh, Peter. I did a backflip and fell on my head. Ooh, man. Oh, that's a fail. Okay, Sade. I M-O-T in my car. Oh, M-O-T on her car. Oh, boy. She can't drive. Okay, let's go to Leslie. Teens. Let's go to teens. Oh, yeah. I failed to manage my money. Oh. The teens were just spending. Just spending on everything. Just failed to manage her money. Okay, let's go to Labard over there. And I test. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Build an eye test. That's why he's got glasses on. It's like, bro, sorry, you gotta, you gotta get some vision. <laughs> okay, let's go with Joseph. I know. You've all failed yourself. He failed himself. Okay, let's go. Okay, let's go with one more. Wrap it up with just one. I think. Okay, let's go. Oh, Marcos. Relationship. <laughs> Man. Man, guys, failing, guys. Woo. Failing, failing, failing. You guys, show of hands who, who has failed before. Uh-uh. Okay, that's it. That's everybody. Okay, awesome stuff. You know, of course, myself, you know, uh, my, my, you know, if I, if I can recall my, my recent failure, you know, uh, would be, you know, my driving theory test. Right. Now, I got to be really honest over here. You know, of course, you know, uh, my driving theory test, you know, I did it sometime last year. Now, of course, you know, I, I kind of underestimated for a bit, okay? You know, uh, Lynette was telling me, bro, you gotta, you gotta take it serious. You gotta study. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I can just wing it. I can just do all this stuff, right? So of course, you know, I booked my test, uh, and of course, you know, I get there. You know, I, I just, you know, I study for like a day. I'm thinking, hey, you know, I can rock it. You know, study for a day. Get to the test, and I failed. And I was like, man, that is so humbling. So okay, now my pride got the best of me. Okay, so I was like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fail. I'm gonna rebook this test, uh, literally the, the, as soon as I possibly can. So uh, I tried to find another test, uh, a center in Birmingham, but there were none in Birmingham at a, at a very short period. Uh, so I found one in Redditch. Okay, so I, that's how far I went, guys. I was man. So I bu- in five days, I had another test in Redditch. Okay, so I booked it. Worst idea ever. So, because uh, I had five days, I had a bubble studies, I had all kinds of stuff going on that week. So, and I had to get ready on that Friday to answer 50 questions out of the 1,000 questions you gotta prepare for. So I travel all the way to Redditch, you know, thinking that okay, I'm gonna nail it down this time round. Guess what? I failed again. Bro, that's kind of nuts. 
at that point, I got bitter at the test. I don't know if you guys ever get bitter at a test. You're just like, yes, I don't like this. So I, I got bitter at the test, you know, and I was like, okay, I, I put it to the side. I'm like, okay, I'm done with this test, you know. And then of course, after a few weeks down the line, the Bible talk was like, bro, you gotta, you gotta take the test again. I'm like, no, I don't wanna take the test again. I'm done with that test, okay? I've been hurt, okay? I got post-traumatic stress disorder from the test, okay? Uh, and of course, you know, after, okay, after a while, I was like, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me get the test. Let me do it again. So I go uh, the third time around, I try, and I saw, uh, this time, okay, I prepared myself. I was like, okay, I, I'm going I'm to study, okay? I'm not going to mess around here. I got to take this serious. So I studied, I studied, and guess what happens the night before? As, as I'm trying to, like, you know, obviously, you know, uh, just cram you the last few uh, questions, I get an allergy reaction. Oh. And now, it's my first time ever my whole entire life I get an allergic reaction. My eyes started swelling up, I got hives, I couldn't breathe. And then he calls it, the brothers called it the ambulance that came to my house, you know. And they said, okay, you gotta go to the A&E, we gotta check more, uh, you know, check some stuff. I was like, oh my goodness. So, I go to the A&E, I stay there until like 4 a.m. Oh. And now, my test was at 8 a.m. on that day. Wow. And I was sitting there at the A&E, I got all this stuff on me. I'm just like, okay, shit, I, I can... I can just, you know, I can be like Sylvester Stallone and Rambo, just go in there, you know, tired, you know, um, and do this test. But by the time I go home, like 5.30, I was like, nah, I'm going to bed, <laughs> okay? So I went to bed. I saw the sign from the Lord Jesus, I shouldn't take this test, all right? So uh, after a while, I was like, you know, I got, I got to nail this thing down, okay? So I started again, and I passed the test right there. Man, failing, man. You know, failing, failing can produce something in you. Yeah. You know, in high school, believe it or not, right? Uh, in high school, the subject I failed the most, okay, wasn't mathematics, okay? I, I, I cracked mathematics. I, I cracked my maths. It wasn't biology either, okay? Uh, you know, biology cracked. Biology gave me faith. <laughs> it kept me faithful as a teenager, okay? To believe that, hey, God created everything in this world. It kept me faithful right there. Biology. You know what I failed? English. I was like, how in the world am I failing something I'm speaking every single day? And I was like, what's going on? Now, of course, okay, I said, you know what? Okay, that's it. I, I was like, I got to crank this, right? I, I would pass everything in high school except for English. So uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to work hard. Okay, and I, I started working hard. And, you know, uh, through, of course, me giving my whole heart to make sure I passed my English, I became a better writer, a better speaker. And, and it's, it's just better in every way. Little did I know that God was preparing me to be a preacher in England. You see, when you're failing, you think, oh, why am I failing? God's preparing you for something. He's preparing you for something you don't know. You know, failing sucks. Failing sucks. But last time I checked, success starts with sucks. Success starts with sucks. Success starts with sucks. Let's go to the Bible, guys. Let's go to Proverbs right there, guys, okay? Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19, guys. You know what the problem is with failure? We fear failure. That's the problem. We fear it. Failure is embarrassing. Failure can make us insecure. Failure can make us, you know, it can make us question our intelligence. Like, man, am I really smart or not? What's going on? It, it can make us feel like, in a sense, we can't do things anymore. So we, in a sense, we fear failure. Right, and, and reason being is we fear failure because simply, and, and when we fear failure as individuals, what happens is we, we're scared to dream. Yeah. We don't dream anymore. Because you're so afraid of getting hurt. You're so afraid of hoping and your hope being deferred. Because you fear failure. Proverbs 19, let's go to the Bible and get some faith, guys, okay? The title of the lessons fail. That's the title, fail. Oh, okay. Proverbs 19, verse 22, it says this. 
What a person desires is unfailing love. Better to be poor than a liar. You know, the Bible says over here that God's love will never fail you. A lot of things can fail you. We, 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 we shared about that earlier on, right? Your, your cell phone can fail you. Your, your bank account can fail you, right? People can fail you. Your disciple can fail you. Your husband can fail you. Your wife can fail you. Your car can fail you. <laughs> Trying to get to church on time, it breaks down. Like, what's going on? A lot of things in life can fail you, but the Bible says... What we all desire, and I love the spirit. The spirit of God is so powerful. How Shade was sharing how she, she desired someone who could love her without failing. But no one can do that. Only God can do that. And he says, this is what we all desire in the world. We all desire unfailing love. And God says, I can give that to you. Jeremiah chapter 8. Let's go there, bro. Jeremiah chapter 8. Tyler lesson is fail. Let's look at a few things on failure over here, guys. Jeremiah chapter 8. Say amen when you guys are there. Amen. In Jeremiah 8, it says this in verse 4. Say to them, this is what the Lord says. When people fall down, do they not get up? When someone turns away, do they not return? You know, this says, guys, God has designed you as a human being that when you fall, you need to get up. God has designed you in such a way that if you turned away from him, you should come back. And if if you've turned away from God today, God is saying he's he's made you in such a way that you can come back. If you feel like you failed God, don't worry about that. God says, come back. Come back. You can come back. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. We gotta get some faith today, guys. Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12. The title lesson is fail. Hebrews 12. Let's go to Hebrews quickly right there. There we go. Awesome. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. It says this in verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race mocked up for us. You know, we live in a time where people like entanglements. But the Bible says that one thing that's been entangling people is sin. Sin has been entangling you from the beginning of time. Just entangling, just wrapping itself around you. You ask, okay, what, what is entanglement, right? The word entangle in the Greek is uberius uh, uh, status. It means to encircle you. Wow. The figurative meaning is a serious hindrance that encircles someone who desperately needs to advance. Wow. So when sin can see that you need to advance and there's a desperation for it, what does it do? It just comes and entangles you. Wow. That's what it does. Wow. It sees that this person needs to grow. But it just comes around, it entangles you. And it says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Persevere means you got to finish what you started. you got to finish what you started. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. you got to finish what you started. It says over here, the race marked out for us. Now, it's kind of, it's interesting. The word race in the Greek is agony. It's an athletic term, which means to struggle. 
basically says to agonize, basically hardship. So if you reread that verse again, right, what is it she's saying in the Greek? It says, run the suffering marked out for us. You know, I mean, we've been learning recently in ICCM about Buddhism. <laughs> and in Buddhism, they have something known as the Four Noble Truths. And it also says, okay, what is Four Noble Truths? Okay, one of them is called Dukkha, Samudaya, Samudaya uh, Niroda, and Maga. To save you time, what they teach is that they try to end suffering. They try to avoid all suffering. They basically want you to live a life with zero suffering. But the Bible says, no, nah, dude. Part of being a Christian is that you got to suffer. Yeah. And what can happen is we can become Buddhist disciples. Yeah. We've allowed the, the, the teaching of Buddhism in the East to come into the West. Wow. Where people don't want suffering anymore. We, we, we're going to raise our kids with no suffering, with no hardship. We're going to just protect them. And when they come into the world, they see suffering. They're like, oh no! What's going on? You need suffering. Yeah. The Bible says in Romans 5, it says that suffering produces character. Yeah. Character, perseverance, perseverance, hope. What is hope? Hope is a trust in God. Therefore, if you don't want to suffer, that means you don't want to trust God. You don't want to trust God. You don't want to, you want, you don't want to get to a position where you can trust God. And God says, hey, I got a suffering package for you. I got a suffering package for you. Wrapped up neatly. You know what's awesome today, God? I, won't lie. I was encouraged today. Jennifer gave me a gift, guys. She gave us. I was like, man, this is encouraging, you know. I, I love, I love, you know, fragrances. Some of you guys know that, right? You know, she gave me a nice, cute, you know, uh, gift set, you know, Ted Baker. I was like, oh my goodness, oh, man. I was like, this is awesome, man. I can't wait for her to become a disciple right there, you know, Jennifer. We're waiting for that. I was encouraged by that, you know, because uh, that's, that's Jennifer. But the Lord's like, bro, I got a suffering package for you. That's a gift I got, bro. Okay, suffering. Okay, you're not gonna smell good when you suffer. Just, just, you're gonna suffer right there. Now look at this, verse two. Fix your eyes on the problem, right? Fix your eyes on the interest, right? No! No! Fix your eyes, fixing our eyes, rather, on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And the church says, Amen. It says you got to fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the perfecter and pioneer of your faith. Jesus is a trendsetter. Jesus is a trailblazer. Jesus is a spearhead. He's a guy who starts things. A pioneer is someone who starts something new. You know, I, I, I'll share about a, a man. A man had a startup. And in the startup, he, he managed to convince 12 people to follow him in the startup. And this startup was funded by women in the startup. The startup, in a sense, gained momentum and 70 people started following the startup. Uh-huh. Eventually down the line, this startup, in a sense, that the dreamer, that the guy who started the startup, he died and by miracle, he resurrected. He left the startup, yep. and the startup, in a sense, grew in such a level that the competitors said, it's a cult. Ooh. The competitors said it's a cult because it was the only startup at that time that believed in equality. Mm. It was the only startup at that time that ended racism. Mm. It was the only startup at that time that took the brokenhearted, that took the fatherless, that took, it, it took all those who were sinful and said, hey, welcome to the family. Wow. Who is this man who had the startup? His name is Jesus. Mm. His name is Jesus. Jesus started the greatest revolution there ever will be in this world. And that's Christianity. He wasn't afraid. He didn't fear. 
He didn't fear failure. He started something. What does that mean? We got to start. We got to start. We can't be afraid to start things, guys. Imagine if Jesus was afraid to start. We wouldn't be here, guys. None of us would be here. We can't be afraid of starting. It says here he's the pioneer of your faith and the perfecter of your faith. This says that we all have faith. Every single person has faith. You being here at church service is you have faith that you'd be at church. God says, Jesus says, I'm going to perfect your faith. Your faith right now isn't perfect. Don't worry. Jesus says, I'll make it perfect. <laughs> okay, I'm going to make it, cr- I'm just going to just flat out crank. And, and, and when you're around Jesus for a long time, let me tell you something. You're going to stop being fearful and you're going to have someone like Harriet come to the kingdom of God and she's getting baptized today. She's getting baptized. Come on. She stopped being afraid of starting something new in your life. She stopped being afraid. Why, why is her being baptized today such a big deal? You know, a lot of churches out there, you know, they preach on baptism and so forth. Why are we making it a big deal over here? Because we see here, sin entangles you. Yeah. The only way you can get untangled by sin is baptism. Yeah. There's no other way you can move forward in life. You can't start, you can't start at all without, in a sense, your sins being removed. Yeah. So she's getting baptized today to get her sins forgiven as a disciple because that's what saves her. Yeah. Sin is what blocks you from God. It, 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 it makes you fail. So he's like, I'm tired of failing. I want to move forward right there. She's getting baptized, guys. She's getting baptized. She's getting baptized. You know, there's a story of a guy who, uh, you know, he says this. He says, ever since I was a child, I've always had a fear of someone under my bed at night. So I went to a psychiatrist and I told him all my problems. I said, hey, I've got problems, psychiatrist. He said, every time I go to bed, I think there's somebody under it. I'm scared. I think I'm going crazy. Just put yourself in my hands for one year, said the psychiatrist. Come talk to me three times a week, and we should be able to get rid of those fears. How much do you charge? $80 per visit, replied the doctor. I'll sleep on it, and if needed, I'll come back to you, he said. Six months later, the psychiatrist met met him on the street. Why didn't you come see me about those fears you were having, he asked. Well, 80 bucks a visit three times a week for a year is an awful lot of money. A bartender cured me for $10. So I was happy to save a lot of money, and I went and bought myself a new car. The psychiatrist was like, oh my god, okay, is, is that so? He said, how, how, may, may I ask, how did a bartender cure you? Well, the bartender just said I should cut off the legs of the bed, you know, and now there's no one under me. Just cut the legs of the bed, and there's no one under the bed anymore, that's it. What's the point? <laughs> the point is, the solution to your fears are actually quite simple. You don't need to think your way out of your fears. You don't need a psychiatrist. You don't need you to pay $80 a week and stuff like that for a lesson. No, it's just simply just cut it out. That's all you got to do. And when I think about the word fail, the word fail, you know, a, 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 a very popular acronym for fail is simply a first, a first attempt in learning. And that's what happens when we fail, guys. When we fail, it's simply our first attempt in learning. The question I have for you is, what if this week was your last week? What if this week was your last week? Would you still be afraid to start then? Would you still be afraid to start then? You know, the fear of failure can make us not want to start anything in life. We can be afraid to dream, afraid to give our hearts, afraid of suffering. Not understand that God's perfect plan to get you to trust him more. Afraid to start. And we see over here, we got to imitate Jesus. Jesus wasn't afraid to start at all. He, he's the pioneer. He, he started, he said, I'm going to start something new. And I'm not going to be afraid at all. 
And we, we, we've got we to imitate the faith of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 11. Amen. Same, same, same book, guys. We're not going anywhere. Hebrews 11. It says something over here. Hebrews 11. Read in verse 32. It says, what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel, and the prophets. Well, we got time today. We're going to talk about Samson, okay? We got time. Verse 33. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Whose weaknesses was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, and rooted foreign armies. You know, over here, it lists four incredible uh, individuals. It says Gideon. Now, of course, you know, Michael Winston preached about Gideon some time ago. And, of course, Gideon was the guy who said, hey, I need a sign. <laughs> that was Gideon. I need, I need a sign to confer that you're calling me. Sometimes we can be like that. You're like, God, give me a sign. No, 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 don't worry. The sign of it. Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus said only a wicked generation asked for a sign. It is wickedness to ask for a sign. Why? The Bible has a lot of signs. All you need is the word of God for faith. So if you're asking for a sign, Jesus, show yourself. Here you, here. Right there. He showed himself right here. Okay, that's Gideon. Barak. Who's Barak? Barak was an army commander. And he cried with a co-leader called, uh, you know, Deborah. He cried with an amazing co-leader called Deborah. Samson and Nazarite. The strongest man in the Bible. And we're going to study him out today. Jephthah. David. David, of course, you know, he was known as a man after God's own heart. Samuel. Samuel was by far the greatest judge and prophet that ever lived in Israel. The Bible says these are individuals that cranked and did great. Now, why am I stating this? Why Samson in particular? The Bible mentions Samson over here. That means Samson went to heaven. He went to heaven. But we're going to look at his life. We're going to see what he did in his life and how, in a sense, he failed but still made it to heaven. Let's go to Judges 16. Judges 16. You guys with me? Judges 16. Let's, let's look at Samson over here, guys. Judges right up to Joshua. And the word judge means? Oh, there we go. Hey, that's it. Leader. This is the book of leaders. In Judges 16... We read over here in verse 1. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. Not good. He went in to spend the night with her. Oh boy. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, At dawn, we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. My, this guy's strong. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Sometime later, he fell in love with the woman in the belly of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The ruler of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure, lure, lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so you may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. We see here what Delilah loved. She didn't love Samson, she loved money. She loved money. Again, I love the spirit of God, how it's working today. You know, we, we, I hope we don't love money, guys. 
Having money isn't sin. The love of money is sin. Okay, don't, don't, don't get me wrong over there. And for us, in a sense, you know, you guys understand, for us to do great things for God, we, we have to sacrifice financially. For us to see great things happening in Birmingham Church, we got to sacrifice financially right there. And some of you guys know that, okay, very soon, we, we, we're moving very soon, but it, it's going to cost us a lot of money. And you're going to be either Delilah over here and saying, I love money, I'm not going to give to the church. Or you can say, you know what, like what Joseph said, and you can see that the value of what we do in the kingdom of God when you sacrifice financially. Okay, we will talk about that in another few days right there. Just a little seed planted just to prepare your heart for the rebuke and, you know, the encouragement later on, okay? Um, it says in verse 6, so, so, so Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. You know, it's interesting. The fact that she's all Samson, tell me the secret of your strength, tells us Samson wasn't this, you know, dench guy, muscular guy, you know, had bulging muscles. No. He was actually a skinny guy. Yeah, he was a skinny guy. He, he, he looked kind of like, you know, our brother. Oh, oh. Yeah, let's just move on right there. Just, I don't want your faith to fail today. I don't, I don't want anyone's faith to fail. He, he yeah, he, he just wasn't physically like, he, he didn't have a physical appearance about him that would say, yeah, because of your muscles, Samson, this is why you're strong. So he, he kind of, in a sense, had no muscle. He was probably a skinny, short guy. Not maybe not short, but he was a skinny, small guy, okay? But what do we see over here in the first few verses, in verse 1? It says over here, he saw a prostitute, right? Now, here he's in, he's in, he's in sin. He's in straight-up sin. He, he sleeps with the prostitute, right? But what happens right after that? He still has strength. It's interesting. He sins, but God still uses him. He's like, man... Like, whoa! Because he got the strength from God. And the fact that he just he was able to, to lift this gate and so forth and get away tells us something incredible. Now, what do we learn over here? That God can work despite your, your failures. He can even use your failures. What do I mean by that? You study out, of course, Joseph. You know, you look at Joseph in the Bible, in the Old Testament, right? Uh, he was sold into slavery. Now, of course, uh, yeah, Jacob, of course, was the father of Joseph. But what happened is uh, Abraham, when he, he failed to wait for the Lord, he, he slept with Hagar. Hagar produced Ishmael. But the right one was Isaac. Isaac then produces Jacob. Jacob then has Joseph. Joseph gets sold to who? The Ishmaelites. So even in his error, his failure, Abraham had a failure. God still uses down the line. And he gets he sold into, into Egypt and he becomes a prince right there. You look at David. David sinned. He messed up. In his failure, he does a dumb decision and produces the wisest man that ever lived. So we can't be afraid of failing because we're like, oh my good, God can't use me if I fail. No, he can use you despite your failures. He can still use you despite your failures. He works with your failures right there. And we see over here, we can't limit the, the, the call of God because we're afraid of failing. We can't limit that. So don't, don't fear failing. You know, just answer the call of God because you're going to stand something. Romans 8.28 says this, guys, okay? It says this, Romans 8.28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So when God calls you, he's already included all your failures. He's not surprised when it happens. I'm like, I can't believe she messed up. Oh my goodness, I can't, I can't believe it. If you're listening. So 
He's already included a part of his perfect plan for you to go to heaven. He knows, okay, this girl, she's she going mm, she to mess up right here, okay? Over there, she's going to mess up again. She's going to mess up big time right here. But I'm still going to call her. That's the plan of God. He, he, his plan involves your failures as well. He works through your failures. Now, what do we see over here? Samson falls in love with a non-Christian. He falls in love with a non-Christian. A woman who's not in the kingdom, a woman who's not a disciple. You know what the, the name Delilah means in the Hebrew? In the Hebrew, it means to languish. It means to take your strength away. What do we learn over here? Samson failed to heed the warning signs. That's the first point. Failure to heed the warning signs. Delight, literally, God said, bro, don't, don't date this sister. Don't date this woman, rather. Don't, don't, don't marry her. Don't date her. It's like, she's going to take her strength away, bro. And it's in her name. Samson's like, I'm going to go find out for myself. That's what he did. God told him, like, no, don't, don't do it. Why are you doing that? He, in a sense, over here, ends up, you know, this is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, don't be yoked with an unbeliever. An unbeliever is not someone who doesn't believe in God. No, an unbeliever is a, a non-disciple. So when you yoke yourself, you put yourself in a relationship with someone who's not a disciple, you're in trouble. Right? You're in serious trouble. You want to go make disciples? She wants to go pray in tongues. You want to, you want to go baptize people? She wants to pray Jesus into your heart. It's going to be chaotic in that relationship. That's why Paul says that there's no harmony between the two of you. What are you guys doing? Why, why are we mixing ourselves? It's so we see the first thing he does over here, a bad, bad failure, is he makes a decision to date and marry someone who's not a disciple. And it's kind of sad, you know, nowadays, one of the things, you know, one of the things that sadly I've seen as a disciple uh, for a very long period is that one thing that has taken a lot of people out is this. Because, you know, we all want this unfailing love. Yeah. You know, we, and sadly, some of us who had no fathers, had abuse growing up and so forth. And, and this, this kind of, in a sense, plays a role. Because, and and Jesus, Jesus, God, that's why God says, I'm your father. Don't worry about that. You have no father growing up. Don't worry. I'm your father. Yeah. I, I can feel that hole in your heart. Yeah. And when we fail to wait and be patient for the right person, yeah. we end up, you know, going for Delilah's. Wow. We end up going for Delilah's. Yeah. For the sisters, you go for the Dylan's. Go for the Dillons. Guys for the Delilahs, brothers go for the Dillons. You, you, you better be careful. I hope, I hope you guys are on, I hope, I hope you guys are willing to wait for the right person. You gotta, you gotta wait, trust me. You wait long enough, the Lord will hook you up. I'm just saying that, okay? Um, we, we, we cannot be, we, 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 as a church, as a church, we gotta have strong convictions in this area. We can't be mixing around, having conversations with people who are not disciples. For the brothers, don't, don't be text. I, I have a conv- I don't text women who are not disciples unless I, I, I want to make them to a disciple, tell them to come to church. That's it. And for the sisters, don't be talking to guys in the world. Don't be talking to guys in the world. Cut them off. Bring them to us. Make them to a disciple. Hey, come to church. Okay. We, we've gotta learn to guard our hearts. Samson didn't guard his heart. He didn't guard his heart. He was lustful. He went, up, he went for a woman in the world, a bad relationship, did we say. And we're going to see what happens over here. He, he, he's in a, in a moral relationship. He doesn't marry her. He's dating her. Wow. 
because he was marrying her, it would, it would tell us. The previous accounts, he got married. But here it doesn't say they got married. Right? He was in a dating relationship, an immoral relationship. But let's keep on, let's keep on reading. Let's see what happens when you fail to heed the warning signs. Okay, verse 7. Samson answered her, If anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hid in the room, she called at him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you! But he snapped the bowstrings as easy as a piece of string snaps when he comes close to a flame, so the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. <laughs> Verse 11, he says, If anyone tied you securely with new robes, that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. No. So Delilah took new robes and tied him with them. No. Then with the man hidden in the room, she called him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the robes of his arms as if, as if they were threads. Delilah said to Samson, all this time you're making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, if you weave the seven braids of my head into a fabric, into a loom, and tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into a fa- fabric, and tightened it with a pin. Again, she called him, Samson, the business is upon you. He awoke from his sleep, and he pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Other translation says he was vexed to death. <laughs> he was vexed to death. Whew, man. I always wonder, I was like, why would Samson allow himself to be deceived so many times? Just, I don't, I don't Why? But then you understand, when you study the character of Samson, you read the previous uh, accounts, right? He loved bl- playing around. He liked joking around with the Philistines. So in the previous accounts, he had a, he had a riddle. So, hey guys, I got this riddle for you. Solve it, <laughs> right? So he liked playing around with the Philistines. That's what he liked doing. So he was probably just playing around, basically. He knew, okay, Philistines are going to come again. He was playing around, having a good time, and not heeding the warning signs. And Delilah was asking how to bind him. And he was already bound by her. He was already bound by her. And he couldn't set himself free from Delilah. You know, for those who are visiting and so forth, I, I challenge you if you, if, you're in this, if you find yourself in a situation where you're in a relationship which you know is totally ungodly, totally unbiblical, you're in sin. Yep. It's simple. It's, you're in sin. We see the dangers of, of what happens here when you, when, you, when you put yourself in an ungodly relationship. You see, Samson was a man who was supposed to only marry within the Jews. But he, he was so lustful, he went after the desires of his heart, whether the Philistine woman and so forth. And we've got to understand something here, guys. As disciples, we can only date and marry disciples yep. because we can't be unequally yoked. And for those who are visiting, if you're in a relationship that is ungodly, you're blocking the plan of God for your life. Yeah. You're blocking the plan of God for your life. Over here, Samson could have been a man who could have been used so powerfully, but Delilah, was, he was bound by Delilah. God couldn't use him. And you've got you to gotta, you gotta, you gotta untangle yourself from the relationship. Let's see over here, verse 17. Let's carry on. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head. He said, because I've been a Nazarite, dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head was shaved, my strength would, have, would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. 
When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Here, we see what Samson does. And it's kind of interesting. When you look at this, guys, you're going to understand something. God doesn't just leave you just like that. He doesn't just leave you just like that. Samson had sinned so many times. And God never left him. He, when you look, he says over here, he's a Nazarite. He knew who he was. He's like, I'm a Nazarite. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be in this relationship. I, I shouldn't be, you shouldn't cut my hair off, right? Now you're going to say something. Samson, before this, what, what happened? He had, you know, um, touched a dead animal, which was against the Nazarite law. He married a Philistine woman, right? And it, it, it was a terrible marriage. Here, he sleeps with a, a prostitute. And now he's in an immoral relationship. And all those times, God never left him. The one time God left him was when he chose to leave God. Because the Nazarite vow, right, the vow, his hair, there was nothing but his hair. His hair was a symbol of uh, vowing himself to God. And he said, you know what, this is my way to be out of the will of God. So therefore, Delilah, here you go. Take me out of the will of God. And he told her everything. And that's when God left him. You see, we saw earlier, God doesn't fail us. He's relentless. He goes after us. But when we choose to abandon him, that's when he abandons us. That's when he abandons us. That's when he leaves. And you look at him over here, it's like, I'll shake myself off like before. And that's how some of us can be. Yeah. We, we, we keep getting away with things for a while. Okay, I'll, I'll just shake myself off this one night stand again. I'll shake myself off this nightclub again. I'll shake myself off this, I'll just shake myself off this relationship again. But little do you know that God is leaving you. God is leaving you. Look at verse 21. Look at verse 21. It says, and the Philistine seized him, gouges out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. You know, God's like, Samson, you've been living by sight for so long, it's time to live by faith. It's time to live by faith. You've been using your eyes to make decisions all this time. I'm going to take that out, and you're going to live by faith. Stop using your eyes to make decisions. His eyes led him to sin. Prostitution, marrying the wrong woman, eyes, eyes. Everything was his eyes for Samson. God's like, let me take that out from you. You've got to live by faith. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Question I have for you simply, disciples, what are the warning signs God is showing you? What are the warning signs that God is showing you? You know, those visiting, the warning sign is someone in your life that God has put to help you get saved. That is the warning sign. A disciple coming to you and say, let's study the Bible. That's a warning sign from God. That's a warning sign that, hey, you, you, there's going to be a day where he's just going to stop. You know, you understand something. There comes a time when you, stop, when, you, when you resist the will of God for a long period, he leaves you alone. He leaves you alone. And the warning sign for you is that a disciple has come to you and asked you to study the Bible. Let's heed the warning sign. Disciples, they are warning signs that God uses in our lives. Situations, circumstances, your discipler, things, the word of God. God, God is trying to warn you before he leaves you. And, and if, you, if God has been speaking to you and you know, man, this, this, this message could be a warning sign for you. <laughs> and I encourage you to heed the warning sign. 
heed the warning sign. Point number two, can we bring it for a close? A setback is a setup for a comeback. Verse 23, it says this. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate saying, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When people saw him, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands. The one who laid waste our land has multiplied and multiplied our slain. You see what happens when you leave God? The people of the world start worshipping their false God. That's why Jesus says in Luke 14, he says, hey, you better count the cost before you, you, you become a disciple because people ridicule you saying, this fellow began to build and wasn't able to finish. And now others are praising their God, right? Because of your lack of commitment to God. Verse 25, while they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring us Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servants who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may learn, lean against them. And the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, his second prayer in his whole entire life, which is recorded in the Bible. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. We see that the hair wasn't the source of his strength. It was God. Because he says his hair grew again. So the fact that he still had to ask God for strength shows that the strength wasn't in his hair. So the hair was just a symbol of saying, I'm loyal to you, God. And the fact that he cut his hair was like, I'm, I'm disloyal now. So he prays to God. He says, God, just give me strength. 29, then the Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against him, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with his, all his might and down came the temple and the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Then his brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zorah and Ashtal in the tomb of Manawah, his father. He had led Israel 20 years. You know, in his whole entire 20 years, the Bible says that in his, at the end of his lifetime, that's when he did great. So it's not how you start, it's how you finish. I hate to be cliche, but that's just the reality. <laughs> it's just the truth. Some of you guys may have had rocky starts. Now, you gotta understand something. His name, Samson, means sunshine. That's his name, sunshine. But sadly, when you look at it, his name was more like England's weather right there. <laughs> just disappointing, you know, just failing people, all, you name it. Um, and he may have been what, what you call an individual who, he failed. He failed most of his life, he failed. His family was disappointed in him. Your family may be disappointed in you because of your failures. And we see over here at the end, he said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to die as a failure. I'm going to die as a victor. What, what, what happens? He goes to God. That's what, that's what he does. He goes back to God. His setback was simply a setup for a comeback. Amen. That's all it was. And that's what our failures do. They're just a setback for a setup for a comeback. So you can come back. <laughs> you can come back, guys. If you feel like you failed in areas in your walk with God, you can come back. God has allowed you to fail because it's a setup for a comeback. All you got to do is pray. Yes. All you gotta do is pray. He prays to God and he does a great job. And we see, of course, in Hebrews 11, we just read, he went to heaven. He went to heaven despite his failures. In closing, let's not be afraid to fail. Let's not be afraid to fail, guys. Let's not have fear. Let's, in a sense, you know, um, we've gotta be, let's cut off all this relationship. Let's cut off anything that's entangling you right now. Cut off. And those who are visiting, this is a warning sign from God to study the Bible. This is a warning sign from God to study the Bible. 
What are the warning signs that God is, in a sense, putting in your life which you're not you know, paying attention to? Let's not be afraid to start something, guys. You know, this could be, you never know, this could be your last week. Yep. It only takes seven, you know, it takes seven days to study the Bible with us, so you can change. Yeah. You can change that. We've got to, we got to, we got to have a different mindset about failing. And let's, let's not look back at the past. Let's realize that God works through our failures and our setback simply a setup for a comeback. Let us fail. I love you to God be the glory. <laughs> Amen. Just all rise. Man, fail. Let's fail, guys. Amen. <laughs> Not singing. <laughs> yeah. We're singing glory, glory. Hallelujah. And the first line is, my eyes are seen the